as a parent, oftentimes we don't consider self. We always put our children first. And to Allison's point, don't feel guilty. I'm just getting to that place where I realize, and they're growing and out the house, hey, I need to do some self-care. I feel like I have so much time on my hands, but not necessarily. It just goes to show that I've been spending so much time interacting and making sure that they were good and they're taking care of business and they're on top of things. And now that they're gone, I realize, hey, I need to talk to someone now. Hey everyone, this is Ashley Menzies Babatunde, your host and resident storyteller, and welcome to another episode of No Straight Path, the highs, the lows, and the lessons learned. No Straight Path is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. We are digging into the human stories behind success, and my hope, as always, is that you leave the conversation inspired, motivated, and excited about your journey. This week, we have a special conversation for Mother's Day. And if Mother's Day is a hard time for you, I'm with you and I want to hold space for you and continue to share parts of my journey in the hope that you feel less alone. Loss has taught me to sincerely appreciate the people in my life. And it's challenging to explain because I've always been grateful for the people in my life. And I'd let them know I'm very sentimental. I'm that girl. I will write letters. I've written letters to all my aunties for Mother's Day about how special they are to me. Call everyone on special occasions or just to check in. But now it feels different. I feel a deeper sense of appreciation and gratitude. And I'm just a more present person in general. And living in the moment, paying attention to the moment, appreciating the moment and the people in my life. And so today, I am honoring my aunties. Aunties can play such a special role in our lives, so I wanted to highlight the women who helped raise me and continue to love and support me. These women are incredible. Anytime I think of my little privilege problems, I think about all the things that my aunties have overcome and how they've become better people. I've learned that age does not always come with wisdom, but my aunties have done the work thoughtful reflection and growth. And although they have very different stories and backgrounds, they've all led with love, a strong faith in God and people. They've worked hard to achieve upward social mobility to create a better life for their children, given back to the community and have had lots of fun along the way. And I'm going to tell you a bit about each auntie. And if you listen to the Father's Day episode last year, then you'll see that most of the aunties are my uncle's wives. I'll add the episode to the show notes if you want a bit more context. And no need to remember all the names that I'm about to mention, and our family is just way too big. (laughs) Just know that they're all mothers and grandmothers, and we dig into their journeys on navigating motherhood, career, and life. First up, we have Auntie Alondra Menzies. So she is married to my Uncle Patrick. He is the eldest of the four Menzies brothers, the leader and the wise one. And this is both of their second marriage. They got a second chance at love, which is just amazing. They merged their families, so there's a lot of children and grandchildren. And Uncle Pat has two children from his first marriage, Crystal and Marcus. And Aunt Alondra has a stepdaughter who is essentially her daughter, 
from her first marriage, Shay, as well as three other children from that marriage, Janika, Stan, and Candace. She has four lovely grandchildren, Cassius, Harper, Briar, and the latest addition, Croya. She was actually born last week, so Auntie Alondra is with her in Boston. She is performing all of her grandma duties and has sent lots of photos and is deeply in love. So we are super excited for her and the rest of the family. And Auntie Alondra grew up in Pomona, California, so it's a suburb about 40 minutes outside of Los Angeles without traffic. Remember, LA, so there will always be traffic. And she went to Catholic school and attended an AME church. She said that her upbringing was so rigid and she was always afraid to make a mistake. She made sure that she didn't pass on that fire and brimstone approach to life when raising her children. She got married young and had four kids by the age of 27. Although she had dreams of becoming an attorney, she found herself in an abusive marriage and had to make adjustments to provide for her family. So she did something that she thought she'd never do. She became a correction officer for about seven years and she worked nights so that she could be with the kids during the day because all the kids were young during that time. And once they got a bit older, she went to graduate school and got her MBA and went into finance management. And she's recently retired from that career. Although Auntie Alondra came into my life when I was in high school, she was a great addition. Very kind, warm, and fun. She is also arguably the best cook And I watched her merge families with Uncle Pat, embrace grandma life, and settle into retirement. She said marrying again at an older age had its challenges because both people are set in their ways, but they figured it out. When her daughters told her to get out of her mommy jeans and go date, she was hesitant at first. She had already been through so much, and she was watching a lot of Lifetime movies, so she was afraid. (laughs) But she said she was so grateful that she did and gave it a chance. Auntie Alondra and Uncle Pat have been together for over 15 years, and they are lots of fun and love an event. You can find them at most jazz festivals in Southern California in the summer. All right, next we have Auntie Tammy. So Tammy Jocks Menzies, and she is married to my Uncle Marvin. Uncle Marvin is the college basketball coach with the big personality. They have three children, Asia, Adriana, and Andre. Asia is technically Auntie Tammy's niece, but she raised her with Uncle Marvin. And Auntie Tammy is also a grandmother. Asia has a sweet, intellectually curious toddler, Cassius, and we're all obsessed. Auntie Tammy was raised in Colorado with four sisters, but her family is actually from New Orleans, so she's Creole, and she actually makes incredible food, like great gumbo, and she started her career in the clothing industry. She had her own boutique in Colorado, but when she moved to LA after completing two years of college, she transitioned to the banking industry. It was hard to get into fashion in LA, and the banking opportunity came her way. Climbed the corporate ladder, loved her job, and worked in banking for 23 years until she transitioned to staying home with her children after Uncle Marvin's coaching career took off. She started working in real estate and managing all of their affairs. She often describes herself as a married single mother. The coach's wife life has a lot of perks, but it can be tough. Coaches work a lot and travel often. I watched Auntie Tammy raise three children, manage their real estate ventures, cook amazing meals, and wear the most beautiful stylish clothes while Uncle Marvin navigated a demanding coaching career. It's not easy, but they make it work, and I love it. 
Luckily, they're best friends and they make the most of the time they spend together, which often involves traveling to a beautiful destination. We often joke that Auntie Tammy is the bougie rich auntie because she is (laughs) and we love it. And when I learned that she had her own boutique, it all made sense. She can dress and her closet is just aspirational. She's also brilliant, organized, kind, loud, and super fun. Next, we have Auntie Allison. So Allison Brown Menzies, and she is married to Uncle Eric, my dad's youngest brother. Uncle Eric is the one who likes to include a dad joke in every sentence. Yes, that is the one. He's also in law enforcement and passionate about real estate. They have three children, Erica, Sierra, and Justin. And although I'm an only child, we were pretty much raised as siblings. Auntie Allison grew up in the San Fernando Valley area outside of Los Angeles with five siblings. She was the overachiever in the family, so although she is one of the younger siblings and they would baby her in certain situations, they also looked up to her for leadership. She went to UC Berkeley and met Uncle Eric while she was in college. She had her eldest daughter, Erica, her last year of college, and she got her degree in social work and worked as a social worker for a few years after graduation. She worked with pregnant teens, and in her first year, she helped seven of her teen mothers go to college. And although she was really proud of that work, she quickly realized that the emotional labor began to take a toll on her, and she knew that she had to pivot. She got an opportunity to work at a major healthcare company, and she's been there for 28 years, working in different facets of the medical claim operations sector. She climbed the corporate ladder, and now she is in senior management. Growing up, I watched Auntie Allison navigate raising three children while climbing the corporate ladder. When her career began to take off, she did her best to juggle all of the moving parts. She was fortunate to have my Uncle Eric's unwavering support. They took a truly equal approach to parenting, with Uncle Eric often picking up the slack because of his flexible schedule. They also use this same approach to being grandparents. Erica has a sweet, sometimes sour, and hilarious toddler, Kinsley, my goddaughter. She is my heart. If you follow me on social media, you have seen her, you know. I'm actually going to go visit her for Mother's Day, so I'm very excited about that. And I would describe Auntie Allison as wise with a more laid-back and warm demeanor. She gives the best advice, and she can win any rap battle to a song that came out in the 80s or 90s. It's actually very important. Impressive, especially because that is not my strength, lyrics. And she likes a nice bag, candle, manicure, and spa day. Auntie Allison and Uncle Eric also love a fun date night, which often involves a concert for one of their favorite artists. And finally, we have the youngest, we have Auntie Toya. She is my mom's youngest sister. Because my mom was 16 years older than her, my mom also played a strong mother figure role in her life. They had another sister, Auntie Kenya, and she was a free spirit. My mom and Auntie Toya were a bit more organized and rule followers, and it made for a fun and interesting dynamic amongst the sisters. Auntie Toya was raised in Los Angeles and later moved to Compton, California after her mom's divorce to be closer to family. She was raised with lots of cousins, family, and support, and she had her son, Dijon, at age 19. Being a young mother forced her to mature early and figure out a way to successfully co-parent with her son's father, and she did it. She did it while navigating various career pivots. She worked in the banking industry for a passport company, and now she works in HR payroll services, and she's back in school learning more about the HR industry. Growing up, I watched Auntie Toya step up to motherhood once again after Auntie Kenya passed away. 
She raised Kenya's daughter, Deja. Deja was 10 at the time. Although the transition was challenging, she was so grateful that she had the opportunity to raise her. And Deja is such a light and she's graduating from college soon. And her son has two lovely children, Camila and Dominic. And like the rest of the aunties, she loves being a grandma. I see so much of my mom and Auntie Toya, and I'd say she's wise, intellectually curious, fun, and optimistic. She's currently in her empty nest phase, so she's open to experiencing life and even dating. It's the first time in her life where she doesn't have much responsibility. She can think about what she wants out of life and go after it. It's a beautiful season, and I'm excited to see where it takes her. All right, friends, those are my aunties. I can't wait for y'all to hear our conversation, so let's get to it. I am so excited to have my aunties, No Straight Path, Auntie Edition for this Mother's Day weekend. And yeah, we are going to dig into their stories and just talk about motherhood and parenting and career. And they've just lived really inspirational lives and have been so important to my upbringing. And I feel so grateful that you guys are here to share your story. So thank you. Thank you, Ashton. Thank you, for Thank you for having us. Thank you for inviting us. Thank you. Absolutely. So I want to start with your favorite part about being a mother. Can you just share, you know, what you love about motherhood? See, for me, I loved when I first found out I was pregnant my daughter, I'm like, oh, what is that supposed to do? You know, then being sick to the whole nine months and the heart delivery. But I think once you have that child in your arms, you just fall in love. And my favorite thing was every day there was something new. And there's so many favorite things. But I think for me, the most important thing when I come home from work or stress or just going through some bad days and those little arms rock around my neck and give me big hugs and kisses. And I just knew the world's going to be okay. You know, that joy they bring into your heart. I think that was one of my favorite feelings. Even I feel that with my grandchildren too. This is Latoya. I would say my favorite part of being a mom is having the experience. One, I grew up around nothing. I had all sisters. I have a couple half brothers, but I grew up in the home with the girls. So having a son, it kind of helped me to adjust and to adapt to learning the opposite sex. One, potty training is not the same <laughs> with the young boys it is with the girls. Um, I learned that the hard way, but yet I learned it. And at a young age, I was so young that I didn't really understand what true love really was. But having mm-hmm. a child to Alondra's point, it's a very unconditional, unexplained type of love. And mm-hmm. to, to actually experience that at such a young age, I was able to grow, even though I was young, I I had to raise him. I stepped out at three months. I ended up getting my own apartment and I took full responsibility as a mom. And so with that came growth for me as a young lady. It teaches you time management. It teaches you how to be patient. It teaches you how to get benefit of the doubt. But it also teaches you to some degree how to have self-discipline because it doesn't be about it's not about you anymore. Now you're sharing your world with someone else. So my decisions affect this other life. It was also fun. You have fun times. There's days to Alondra's point where you may have a bad day at work. You come home. 
who could resist your child giving you that hug and that kiss and want okay, to play? Yeah. Even though you don't want to play, you don't feel like it, but it pushes you and teaches you how to prioritize what's important and what's not important. Granted, there's no perfection in it because it doesn't come with a book. You grow and you learn as the days go by. And just from my experience in seeing other moms with multiple children, no child is alike. So, and I'm sure these moms on this platform can agree. So every experience is a new blessing. It's a new opportunity to grow and enjoy it. It's a beautiful thing. I think for me, this is Tammy. I didn't have my first child until I was 32, but I was always the favorite auntie. I had eight nieces and nephews from my other three sisters before me, and I was always very close to them, almost like a mother figure. But when I had Adriana, for me, it's when I really thought my life started in a different way because I was always just myself. I was very, I did a lot. I don't want to say I was selfish because I always worked really hard for the things that I wanted in life, traveling and clothing and paid my own bills at a very, very young age of 19 when I moved back to California. But at 32, having my first child was like something just changed. Like Tori and Alondra were saying, as soon as the child is born, all of your goals and your thoughts of what your life was about changed forever. And the joyous part for me is just going back into watching them grow in the different stages of their lives. The little quirky sayings, Andre used to always say things like, let's go do this. Is that a good idea? What about that? Is that a good idea? So his thing was, that a good idea? And Adriana was just, I don't know, she's my heart. She's the first one. I had just lost my dad when I found out I was pregnant with her. So it just added on another layer of life. Like his soul was in her that allowed me to continue knowing who my father was. She has a lot of his traits. Her personality is a lot like him. And I agree with what they were saying. No child is the same. I always say I have three children. Asia, I don't, everybody pretty much knows that I raised Asia almost as my first child. She's my niece and my godchild. She's my oldest sister's daughter, but she was with us the whole time. So my children, Adriana and Andre, see her as their sister. So although I was a part of her life until I had Adriana 11 years later, there was a little difference in the connection because I actually had her and I didn't realize the amount of love you could have for a person until you actually have your own children. And Andre is just just an easy so and then I have my very old soul and Andre just an easy child. I mean I and I couldn't think of one thing the child had done wrong in his whole life and it wasn't even anything of 
any magnitude, but he's just been the easiest to raise and just watching them grow, but still want to protect them. This is Allison. I think for me, like Toya, not quite as young, but young and not quite ready for Erica, my eldest, when she came into the world. And Ashley, you were here and I practiced on you. Your mom was great. (laughs) She let me learn so much about the early stages and you were a willing participant in all of that. So I I got a chance to get hands-on practice having my own baby and the kind of things I would need to do. That was helpful. I don't think a lot of people get that. So being up close with a newborn was helpful. But for me, when I gave birth to Erica, I think, as Tammy said, what you thought was important in your life fades. It's like it becomes totally different. One of the other things that I felt was a tremendous amount of awe and respect for my mother. You just don't know what it takes until you're doing it. And it just allowed me to go back and kind of say, hey, mom, thank you. Thank you. Because I was just learning by remembering some of my own experiences and how my mom did those things with me. And it helped me to know what to do with mine. And coming in from any kind of day, good day, bad day, whatever, Erica just, she she made it right side up, whatever it was. And it all came became about her. And I felt like we were growing up together in a sense. I was 23 trying to figure it out. And the first of my friends to have a baby. So it was a lot, but we had a a great village of extended family who step in, teach, help, do whatever was needed. And that was a blessing. But I think just feeling that unconditional love that another person has for you, it said something about what I was doing for her how I was pouring into her because the way she gave it back to me was like, you're all right, mom. You know, you're the best person in the world. When they see you, they just light up. And that kind of reflected back to me. Like, it's okay that you don't always feel confident about what you're doing. It's working. It's okay. And I think she gave me a sense of, I got this and a sense of God gave me what I needed. And it was already in there before I needed it. And so I, I walked and sort of enveloped in love and faith that this was going to be okay. I don't know where my tools are or really even how to use them all, but it's going to come to me when I need it. And as we grew together, as she got older, I, I learned to do that. And as Toya said, every kid is different. So Erica is the eldest of three and no two of my children have the same personality as Tammy was saying, they're all their own people. No matter what you raise them with and what ideals and goals and things you try to instill, they come here how they are. And so as a mom, I am super proud when people say to me, you have a nice daughter. You have a nice son. He's such a gentleman. That kind of stuff makes me feel great. They're good people. And I think when other people can see that in them, I think as a mom, that makes me the most proud. I love that. Thank you all for sharing. What is interesting how you got a little bit of an up-and-close personal view on motherhood 
a year before you actually had to embark on that journey with my mom and me yes. because it's now flipped because every day I FaceTime <laughs> with your granddaughter, Absolutely. Kinsley, my goddaughter, Erica's daughter, and I'll talk to other parents and they're just always so impressed with how much I know about toddlers. Like I know what's in, what songs, what diapers they need, what's the newest snooze, like everything. And so because I ask Erica questions like, oh, well, why does she do this? And how often do you do this? And I just see it every day. Thank God for technology and FaceTime. Yeah. So I'm at bath time every day with Kinsley, yep. which is pretty incredible. So I feel super, super blessed to be able to be on this journey as a godmother and an auntie. And I do want to talk about the challenges of being a mother and raising children. For much of our lives, motherhood, they say it's hard, but people don't really open up about what the hard parts are. And now we're entering a time where mothers are talking about the challenges, they're talking about even just how hard pregnancy can be. I mean, there's unfortunately so many terrible TikTok videos about how hard <laughs> it is to like have a child and it can actually scare people. So not necessarily those stories, but I would love to hear about the hard parts of motherhood and perhaps some of the lessons learned that you gleaned from that. I have a story with that. <laughs> um, this is Allison. When Sierra was about six, first grade, I was backing out of the driveway, taking the kids to school as I did every morning. And as I'm backing out of the driveway, Sierra says, mommy, can you volunteer in my class today? And I said, Mommy will volunteer in your class, but we have to make plans for that. I can't go today because I have to go to work today, but I'll talk to your teacher and make a plan. She says, okay. And then we drive down the street. She goes, when I grow up, I'm never going to get a job because I want to be able to go to my kid's classroom. And when I say I did everything I could not to start bawling and crying right at that moment, because I was thinking that kids don't understand why you're not there. They understand time and that's it. So in her six-year-old mind, it was like, well, other mommies are there and why can't you? And it broke my heart. So I made a point to schedule time for her classroom and her dad too, because <laughs> we were trying to make sure that she knew and understood what we were doing and our absence didn't mean because we didn't want to be there. And it made me feel like I needed to be a lot more intentional to do things in a way that her six-year-old mind could understand and receive as showing up. So like I scheduled anything else, I scheduled the time in her classroom. And I made sure that I went consistently because I can't do it every day like some of the moms. But it did make me feel bad that it translated to her as though my job was my priority and not her. So that was tough. That's tough for working moms because it's we know why we're doing it. But kids are at an age and a stage throughout that they don't always get it. I'm happy to say they come back around. <laughs> they do grow up and mature to a place where they get it. But when they're young, I would just say that. The working mom, we have to work more at home when they're young, whatever that is, their activities, their homework, dinner, bath time, whatever. It needs to be consistent. And we can't let our work and our time at work make it so we're not present at home. 
So in every way you can be present, no matter how small, it makes a difference. And it caused me to be more focused and make sure that I did that, not just for her, but for all three of them. Well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, it's definitely an excellent example of mom guilt, which so many moms experience this guilt that if you're not there, you know, you're not being a good mom. And that's obviously not true. But I've talked to lots of friends. And so I think that that you were able to take that lesson and just learn how to be more present. And I know that Sierra completely understands now. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so that absolutely. is good. <laughs> Are there any other stories that you would like to share? Hi, this is Tammy again. So just kind of adding on to what the other moms have already said. I think for me, so the first, when Adriana was born, the first six years were kind of really easy because I literally had my mother move in with me because she had just widowed. I had just lost my dad. So I took them on all of my trips. I had to travel a lot with my job. I took them on all my trips. So really my Part of it didn't start until Marvin's career started taking off in coaching at the a Division One level, where he now was gone a lot more, and I also was gone on a weekly basis. And you do feel like you're just not around. You're not parenting your kids. The babysitters are watching them all the time. My mom stayed, so I didn't have that extra support anymore. But for me, the biggest thing was the moving, the constant moving. I had sent, Ash, I didn't even realize it, but by the time Andre was 13, we had moved nine times. So just do the math. That's not even every two years. So it, we were constantly moving. We had moved five times in seven years at the beginning. That's when I and Marvin and I decided that working at the bank or my career was no longer the priority, even though technically at that time I was making more than he was, but his career was starting to grow and he was getting more and better opportunities, but it wasn't worth not having a parent and being at home with the children and just being there. Asia at that time was close to being a teenager. So that helped out a lot of it, a lot, but just constantly moving them every year, every two years and not really forming any roots for them and not knowing. I think Ashley, I had shared this with you a while back. We didn't realize especially for Adriana, because we moved her around so much that she had separation anxieties, abandonment issues, because we didn't have the grounded roots of the friends and the family members from day one throughout her life. Andre did spend nine years in Las Cruces, where he went to school most of the time. But even when we moved back to Vegas, he had a hard time this last time that we moved. He just did not want to move. He didn't want to make another move or jump. So for me, that was probably my biggest struggle is trying to make every house a home for them, trying to get them grounded and rooted. 
in whatever new place we were at or had been. We had great opportunities and great positions for where Marvin was, but that was probably the biggest challenge for me. While I was speaking, I think my challenge to raising my children was when I was going through the breakup of the unhealthy marriage and trying to keep my children focused and safe mentally, physically, you know, because a lot of times people think kids are resilient. Oh, they'll be okay, but they're not. They feel and the same pain you feel they feel. So you have to remove yourself from your own pain just to get them through their pain, you know, and and that was very challenging to me because you don't marry, think you're going to get divorced. You know, you think you're going to be together forever. You know, my parents married 65 years. You just think that's the way it's supposed to be. So you make this promise to these children and then it doesn't work out. And so it's tough, but they're amazing now. You know, they, I did something right because <laughs> they're incredible people. In all of your stories, I'm hearing a theme where you had to put your kids first because that is what being a mother is, even though it seems like you internally probably had some challenges. And I'm curious if, you know, in this motherhood journey, do you, what do you do to protect your own mental health, your own internal peace? Have you thought about it? Have you started to think about it? I have to first say, Ashley, that is an amazing question. That's a great question. Because as a parent, oftentimes we don't consider self. We always put our children first. And to Allison's point, don't feel guilty. I'm just getting to that place where I realize, and they're growing and out the house, hey, I need to do some self-care. I feel like I have so much time on my hands, but not necessarily. It just goes to show that I've been spending so much time interacting and making sure that they were good and they're taking care of business and they're on top of things. And now that they're gone, I realize, hey, I need to talk to someone now. Like <laughs> growing up, I was raised in a church. So it was always about you pray. Your mom, my big sister was my mentor. She was my go-to for everything. Like she gave me that sense of support. She gave me that comfort I need because I was so young. And I just always knew it was okay because she never made you feel like nothing was going to be okay. You just knew it was going to be okay. So over the past couple of years, I've come to realization that I can't just pick up the phone and make that call and get that type of support. It's going to come by way of me searching within. And I started with working out with the Zumba. I started reading books now. It takes my mind to a different place. I love painting and decorating. So I'm finding those things that gives me that sense of peace that at the end of the day, I can release it, but in a way that I'm not stressing about life and the situation. I never thought about it as a parent because you're too busy being strong. And I always felt the need because I was so young as a mom to prove to everyone that I can do this. I can handle it. I'm good. I had one child because I didn't want to keep doing it, but I always felt the need to just to not only prove it to myself, but to others, I can handle this. But that was not the right way to go because to Allison's point, there probably were plenty of times where I felt like I was handling it, but how did it make the children feel? Were I really giving them the best version of myself? And I will be honest and say, I know I wasn't. I couldn't have been because I wasn't giving it to myself. I wasn't getting that for myself. 
I am now 47 and I am just getting to that place where I realize that mental health self-care has to come before you giving your 100% to someone else, even your children. You can't possibly do it if you're not 100% within. I appreciate that. It's such a beautiful journey. And I also think we have, I believe, Auntie Toya, you're in Auntie Allison. You guys are Gen X. And I believe Auntie Tammy and Auntie Alondra are boomers. And I'm a millennial without a child yet. But (laughs) also just from a generational perspective, I just don't even think that was a part of the conversation. It really wasn't like, take care of yourself. Yeah, not at all. You know, like that wasn't even a thing. And I feel like it's very much a part of the millennial conversation because we've learned from your generation and the things that you guys have shared. And so I kind of just love when I call you guys and you you all have these different projects and passions and health fitness journeys now. And I think it's just really beautiful because it wasn't something that I saw growing up. It was you guys taking care Mm -hmm. of us, which we certainly appreciate. But I love to see you all taking care of yourselves. Then I asked the aunties about raising children with their partners. Auntie Toya had a strong bond with her son's father. Although they weren't together, she said that they did a great job co-parenting. And the rest of the aunties are married to my uncles. Auntie Allison and Uncle Eric's dynamic was a bit different. Although I was raised with a more traditional upbringing, my dad worked and my mom stayed at home, I learned that there were different ways to raise children at an early age, and that was because of Auntie Allison's dynamic with Uncle Eric. She shared her reflections about raising children. He was a hands-on partner in everything we did, and I know with my friends and coworkers and conversation, it was not the norm. I'm thankful to Edgar for his example, for Eula for raising the son she raised, because as a dad, there is none better. And I think when we were young, I don't care if we were tag teaming, I got bath or he has bath and I have homework or he's ironing and I'm making lunches or whatever we did in our daily routine, we did it as a team. I dropped off, he picked up, It was not something we had to really discuss and talk about other than if a schedule changed. So knowing that I could work, your mom, Belinda, did so much of the heavy lift in the middle as far as taking kids to school and picking them up and I could just pick them up from her and it just made all things possible. But as a partner day to day, Eric washed hair. He went to brownies and Girl Scouts. He didn't just go to the basketball games. You know, he went to, he did anything and everything without question. He got motion sickness. So helping out on the field trips, he couldn't take the bus. He drove his car. He followed the bus. It didn't matter how he had to do it. He was committed. And I made sure to appreciate his efforts. And I would tell people that when you're in your grind and you're raising kids, remember you're a team first. And remember that in whatever way your partner supports that mission, don't forget to say thank you. I appreciate you. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. It was interesting when I did this talk a year ago with the fathers and the uncles, and that's what we were talking about, how we got to see a different display of marriage that was a little bit less traditional because most of the uncles, including my dad, worked a lot of hours and didn't do 
a lot of those things. They'd come, they'd come to the sports games and they'd be at the dance yeah. recitals. They yeah, were present. Yeah. They were yeah. there, but they, my dad never knew. Oh my gosh. I was like in a hot mess when he tried to do my hair one time. <laughs> he did not learn it. Like he couldn't do, my yeah. mom left me with him the first, what was I, maybe six months. She had to go up to the store just for an hour. He overfed me milk and I was throwing up <laughs> for like... <laughs> They did not have those skills, but Uncle Eric, I remember growing up, did. And so, and then you, we saw you go and work and climb this mm-hmm, corporate mm-hmm, ladder. And so we saw a different mm-hmm. framework for marriage, yep. which was really nice. And so thank you for sharing that. If you have any advice, I think we've gone over it, but if there's any other lingering advice for millennial mothers, or you know, it doesn't have to be specifically millennial, but the younger generation that's usually the audience here that you could share, let me know. I'd love to hear it. I think that this generation of women, I, I just admire the choices that you have. The rules aren't as strict as it was when we were growing up, having children, you pregnant, you get married, you stay married, you know, you guys can decide when you want to be a mother now. If you want to be a mother at 26, you can do that. If you want to be a mother at 35, you can do that at 40, et cetera, et cetera. But there's no stigma anymore as like the clock is running out, you know, there's no clock anymore. You do it when you make your own choice. And I think that's awesome that. You can do that nowadays. You guys have a voice and you guys don't back down from using it. And I think that's awesome. I think I was born in the wrong generation. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for sharing that. Hi, this is Tammy. Kind of what everyone else was saying. You guys have a lot more stuff that we did not have as mothers. So although those things make it could make it easier, I think it can also make it challenging to again make sure that you're focusing on the simple things. Just I would say from my personal experience, as much as you can have your children around other family members, as long as it's healthy relationships around family members, do that as much as you can. I do think it's important to raise children still with some faith. Um, because at the end of the day, faith will get you through a lot of things, especially the world, the way the world is changing so much and the social media and all those other things that we didn't have when we were raising children. I think it, that can make it harder. So you have to make sure that you're always talking to your children, being honest with your children, giving them the freedom to speak their minds and be their individual selves, no matter how young they are, because that will help you in really knowing your child making sure that the computers and the games and the other things are not raising your child. So in that way, I don't know if that was going to be old fashioned, but it's important because children, they're people, (laughs) they're little people. You can learn a lot from a three-year-old and a little person. So whenever I'm talking to Cash's, the grandbaby, I always ask him, what did you learn in school today? And he's three. 
And he always tells me what he learned that day. And I just think it's amazing because I'm, I talk to him as a person, not as a, a child or a three-year-old, which I think is good because we can learn things from them as well as they learn things from us. I love that reflection and that story. So thank you for sharing that. You made a really good point just about the technology and just everything that we have available to us and how that can actually make it more challenging to parent. And I was actually reading a study that I believe it was cited in the New York Times recently, just about how it's more challenging for parents now in a certain way because the expectation of what we're supposed to do as parents is just so high that that standard was very different back in the day. And so there's more pressure because you also are supposed to show up in your careers. There's more two-parent homes where people are, there's double career homes. So you need to show up in your career, you need to show up at home, and there's all these expectations as parents that we have. And so it is certainly like going back to some of those, what you deem as old-fashioned and what I deem as perhaps just more human, the small things, the little things, the family time, the faith, that is very helpful. And the spirituality, all of that is extremely helpful. So I love that you pointed that out. Auntie Tammy made a good point. Mothers learn from their children too. I wanted to dig into this a bit further, see if they could share some of the important lessons they learned from their children. Auntie Alondra shared something that really hit home for me. For me, being raised in the church, or I think church people are the most critical people, the judging people. And I was raised in that environment. And you know, my my kids were like when they got into their teenage world, they were like, Mom, that's not cool. Why did you say that? Why why are you acting like you know? And it made me aware, like, okay, they're right. You give them the spiritual guidance and the teaching, and yeah, they're acting a different way. But that was the way I was brought up. That was the way that world was for me. So they definitely opened my eyes and being judgmental of some things, you know, and be accepted. I mean, I don't, I don't have to agree with it, but I don't have to judge or criticize another person for being who they are. And they definitely opened my eyes in that area. And other things, even watching my children raise their children, I see things they do differently. That's amazing that I sometimes make a mental note. I said, I should have did it that way. <laughs> but again, you know, they took some good from me and they took good from people. They were around other mothers and then they incorporated into themselves. And my son has an amazing, I have an amazing daughter-in-law, Candace, and Cassius is almost 18 and going to go to college and He's just a great young man. So some of the things that I've seen them do in raising their children also taught me things I could have done differently. But then I just say, aha moment. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's okay. That kind of thing. No, thank you for sharing that and bringing that up because that actually is reflective of my own journey with my mom. And we had some really challenging, difficult conversations, but I always felt comfortable talking to her about it, which made me feel good. And I felt, you know, I remember having that conversation about LGBTQ rights and trying to get her to understand and her finally getting it or just even the respect and understanding for different religions and different faiths and different walks of life. Like we had a lot of those mm -hmm. conversations when I was in college because that's when mm -hmm. I was, you know, getting more educated. And, <laughs> and mm -hmm. I had these questions when I was younger growing up in LA 
it was an interesting juxtaposition because I grew up in one of the most diverse cities in the country. I went to school with people from different backgrounds and different races and different religions. And then I had this very strong but quite conservative Christian upbringing that really was challenging for me to reconcile because I love all people and all their experiences. And I had friends that who were 12 years old coming out as queer in middle school. And so I remember us having those conversations. And I do feel grateful that later on in her life, her new motto, which was nice, was more loving and less judging. Because you know, my mom loved a saying, (laughs) but that was something that it was a hard thing. It's a generational thing. It's a generational divide. And I think we certainly as our generation, the kids, the cousins, I think we appreciated like the faith upbringing and the spirituality and the love and care in that way. But some of the doctrines, we we had those battles and we had those chats. And I felt grateful to be in a space where I felt like I could actually say what I felt. Less judging, more loving. I love how that was one of my mom's most important lessons that she shared with me. The aunties went on to talk about the generational differences, the things they had to unlearn to become better mothers. They were taught not to question anything. They had to listen to whatever their parents said and stay out of grown folks' business. They decided to take a different approach, and I am truly grateful, and so are my cousins. And although we were having this deep, rich conversation, I wanted to lighten things up a bit. I asked them to share some of the funniest moments they experienced as mothers. There were several, but Aunt Toya's story about her son really stood out. He's very literal to a thing. One time I told him to put a pot of water, your dad know the story, under the Christmas tree. We were getting ready to decorate the tree. And so I said, Dijon, you know, it comes with a little pot for the water. I said, go ahead and put some water in the pot under the tree. So I step out. I come back home. When I walk in the slide door, I notice a stainless steel <laughs> pot full of water under the tree. What? <laughs> That's what you said. I'm telling the kids what said, why is there a pot of water under the tree? He said, well, you told me to put water in the pot under the tree. I'm like, no, I'm not talking about that. So I'm just sharing these little fun factors because kids have a way. Now, in my mind, I felt I gave clear instructions and it's just, they have a way of bringing stuff out of you that you don't see. And just, I don't know, there's so many funny stories I could share about him, but that part we said, what is the fun part of being a mom? Those moments that you don't see (laughs) that are pretty funny. I love that. That's, yeah, the pot of water. I think I remember that story now. And that was just hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) He'll never live that one down. I decided to wrap up the conversation by asking the aunties to share their favorite parts about being an auntie. Now, I'll admit that this was a bit of a self indulgent question. But hey, as an actual auntie now and godmother, I was genuinely curious. About being an auntie, I have a niece and nephew that are older than you, but they were raised in Sacramento, so I wasn't around them every day. You were the first one that that I was around all the time and really got to kind of do the auntie thing. And I always called you my bonus baby because of the way... Belinda and I were sort of a two-mom duo doing most things with you and Erica together. I think I just 
I loved a little bit like what Tammy said. It's not so much the financial thing, but it's like that unconditional love and connection that you have where I didn't have to discipline you. I didn't have to say no to this or that. I could just be silly with you. I could entertain whatever idea you had. And you made me feel like I was somebody that you wanted to talk to, somebody that you wanted to be around. And I just loved hearing about your day, about your this or this thing or that thing or the other thing and your enthusiasm and how wherever you were as you got older, how you would pick up the phone and share. I got into Harvard. I got into Stanford, you know, things like that. It just made me feel really good that the connection that we built throughout your life was there in those important moments for you that it still mattered. And your mom and I had so many conversations about you and what you were going to do and what you wanted to do. And sometimes she'd say, Allison, I don't know. She's taking this class and this class. I, I don't know. I think it's too much. I say, hey, she'll know when it's too much. Just be there, support her. She knows what she's doing. It's okay. Because it was different for your mom. She's worried about, is she okay to be doing all of this? And me, I'm saying, if she says she's okay, I think she'll let us know when she isn't. So let's just applaud her effort and support her. But just being able to be that cheerleader, that confidant, that person you talk to and hang out with, it was all the good, like being a grandparent, all the good without the discipline, the responsibility, the stress of if that's the best thing for them or not. You just get to be what they need you to be in the moments. And I think that makes being your auntie the best. You are like the best, one of the best people I know. And I'm so proud of you. I'm still so proud of you. And I sort of sharpened my auntie chops <laughs> with you. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Auntie Allison. You're the best. Like, yeah, you're right. There's just, it's a fascinating relationship that I've just come to really appreciate more as I've gotten older, just like the auntie Mm -hmm. dynamic, mm -hmm. auntie niece dynamic and how special it is. Right. And yeah, so I'm, I'm really, really grateful. And auntie Toya, I'm going to go to you. So being an aunt to me, what makes it fun? One, I didn't have a daughter. I only had my son. So having girls and had girl time makes it fun for me. But I used to look at aunts as being just part of the family. These are your part of your immediate family because I have so many aunts coming up. But now it holds a, a different meaning, more special meaning to me because of the absence of my sisters and being here as an aunt, able to be supportive of my nieces, able to pick up the phone if you guys need to talk to me or ask questions. There's something, being that, that support, in the absence of my sisters, and not just for you guys, but for them as well. So it holds dear and near to me. I don't see it as, oh, these are just my nieces. I look at you, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like, it's, I can't explain it, but it's more of, I look at myself and put myself in a position as, okay, what would Kenya do? What will Lynn do? I'm here to do and carry on their legacy, their assignment with their daughters. So I nurture you guys in that same way. I will be there for you in that same way. So it makes it fun because you guys are young, so you can keep me younger. <laughs> You're teaching me how to log on to these Zooms when I don't know how to get here. <laughs> 
<laughs> but no, in all honesty, I'm proud of every last one of you. You know, life deals us cards that we can't necessarily, we don't understand. We don't sign up for it. It just happens. And so we have to learn how to adjust and go with the flow. And to Allison's point, I am proud of you as well. Everything that you've set out to do, you strive for and you succeeded at it. And it makes, as an aunt, and they can say the same, it makes you proud to brag about your nieces or your nephews when they're doing well. It's a reflection on not only your sibling, but it's a reflection on the child themselves. So it's very special to me. Like last weekend, we got to spend some time together that felt great because now we can have different type of conversations. And I learn from you guys. I do. So not only is it fun, it's rewarding. And I thank God for it, even though it wouldn't have been the choices I've made for my life. But God is in control and he's been doing an amazing job and he's given me the strength. He's given you guys the strength. And I just love being here and being able to be that support system as an aunt. Thank you for listening to another episode of No Straight Path, the highs, the lows, and the lessons learned. Remember to share the podcast with friends and family. And my hope is that these stories help you navigate your No Straight Path journey. If this content is adding value to your life, and I hope it is, please take a few minutes out of your day to rate the show and write a review. You can click the link in the show notes to write a review. It helps other listeners find the show, and I just really appreciate it. Have a lovely week, embrace the journey, and remember... You're not alone.